Good morning. I am so stoked for what we have planned for today. Uh, after they heard me preach last time, they decided I can't be up here by myself anymore. <laughs> so we are uh, doing a little bit of a tag team style this morning. Uh, this gentleman to my right is none other than Mr. <laughs> Liam Linkowski. Liam came on our staff in August of 2021. Uh, he is our middle school director, and so far he has been doing a phenomenal job with the middle school ministry. Thank I feel like I should introduce myself a little bit. Uh, I grew up in Rittman. I attended school at Kingsway Christian right here in Orville, and I've been attending OCC for a little over a decade now um, before coming on staff to work with the middle schoolers. I was a volunteer with the High Voltage Program. I was a small group leader for five years now. Um, I'm also a student at the University of Akron studying criminal intelligence analysis, minoring in digital forensics, and fingers crossed I'll graduate next spring. We'll see. Absolutely. (laughs) I, I think we can all agree if you've ever been to a high voltage program or if you have middle schoolers criminal intelligence analysis is the perfect (laughs) degree for that ministry Uh, but today we're continuing our fancy like series by looking at the topic of of dating and in talking to Liam as we were actually prepping the sermon I found out that Liam makes an amazingly good first impression at least you did on me maybe you want to tell us a little bit about your first impression with your fiance Anna yeah, Anna's first impression of me wasn't that great. Some of the first words she used to describe me was annoying, stubborn, and boastful. Um, after declining to go on a date with me, I took it incredibly well, and I decided I would no longer pursue her. Uh, that's, not, that's not true. Um, I decided I'd find her after class and walk her to her car, talking to her the entire time every single day. Uh, She was annoyed pretty greatly by this, but she did eventually decide to go on a date with me. And I guess she could at least tolerate me because three and a half years later, filled with many more dates where she affirmed that I'm annoying and stubborn, maybe a little less boastful than she thought, she said she would marry me. (laughs) All right, and you're getting married soon, right? How many days? 20. 20 days. Coming up. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm glad to hear it's worked out thus far. Um, I've got faith in you. I don't think you'll screw it up in the next three weeks. But I, mean, I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember before my wife and I uh, started talking, I was out to lunch with her sister, Emily, and her soon-to-be brother-in-law, Donnie. And there's a lull in the conversation, and Donnie got all excited. He said, I've got a great idea. He said, we should get Corey and Mandy to date. And before I could respond, Emily snorted and said that would never work. Mandy would be so annoyed with Corey's sense of humor. Well, three years later, and she was very correct, (laughs) my wife still gets annoyed daily with my sense of humor, but I think she's starting to learn to at least tolerate it, if not like it. Uh, But seriously, as we've mentioned, uh, we're going to be looking at this topic of dating. And today we're going to be spending a majority of our time in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you want to go ahead and flip to Ephesians 5, that's where we're going to land the plane today. But I want you to focus on one thought throughout this entire sermon. And that is when you date or just live in general, the best way to do that is to live according to God's will and way. God's will and way are far greater than anything that this world could ever offer. God offers true joy and happiness and fulfillment. 
In this world, the only thing this world has to offer are lies, sin, and empty promises. I agree. When you look around at the world, it's pushing an agenda on us about what life should be and along with that, what dating should be. You see couples in movies and TV shows and social media choosing to solidify their relationship by the ways that the world has deemed appropriate. Uh, that could be moving in with each other too soon or becoming too intimate too fast. But that's not what God designed. And if we do that, we're submitting ourselves to the possibility of loads of temptation. And then we have social media, which gives us a glimpse into celebrities and influencers lives at the absolute best or their peaks, but never their valleys. Uh, it's false. We can read or listen to books, watch movies, TV shows, uh, where this toxicity and over-sexualization is praised. We're expected to act a certain way because the world has told us that that's what's going to satisfy us, um, what's going to make us feel whole, when in reality we're trying to fill a void that only God can fill. Life doesn't often and really shouldn't look like the movies because that's not real life. Today we're going to be spending a majority of our time in Ephesians 5, and we're going to be looking at what God has designed for us. You see, those of us that follow Christ, we're children of the light. We're called to live differently, to no longer walk in the darkness, and it's important that we don't partner ourselves with someone who's walking in the darkness as well. We must learn to look for what God says is good for us, what's an appropriate partner, and how to act godly and pure in that relationship. The world is trying to sell us on one ideology and way of dating, um, but there's nothing compared to God's way. Here's the deal. No matter where you are in your relationship life, whether you're single, dating, engaged, married, widowed, or divorced, God wants to transform your relationships. We all have a next step to take towards Jesus. Uh, so we're going to dig into Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 7. Uh, in my Bible, that's page 1313. Yeah, um, <laughs> Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Paul is starting chapter 5 off on a strong note. He starts by telling us what to do and then immediately contrasts with what not to do. He tells us to be imitators of God, to walk in love, and to be a sacrifice of sorts to God, telling us to flee from sexual immorality and impurity, to depart from coveting and unwholesome talk, and to not be deceived by empty words and acts of disobedience. Essentially, Paul is telling us how to live before we even enter the realm of dating, which brings us to our first point. A proper path is choosing God's way over the world's way. It can be incredibly tempting to follow the ways of the world. It looks rewarding, pleasurable, and simple. Why not become a part of hookup culture? It's just sex. Why not anchor our souls into drugs and alcohol? We only live once. And so why not try to find our identity in our significant other? The problem that arises a lot of times is that we rush into relationships and then we find ourselves hoping that our partner will help fill that God-sized hole in our lives. Living like the world doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. Almost everyone does it, but it's incredibly dangerous. We're all just one or two bad mistakes away from falling into the endless cycle of sin that Paul warns us about. Uh, we even see this early in scripture, time and time again with the Israelites. Uh, they, they're following God, but then they try to find their identity, their purpose in another nation, another nation's gods, its people, and they fall away and start to fail. 
we need to anchor ourselves to God, and by doing that, we'll be able to overcome the ways of the world. Billy Graham once said, a life without God is like a boat without an anchor. When it comes to dating, our priorities need to change. The first priority should and always will be God. We have to consistently choose God's way over the world's way. Uh, purity over satisfaction of the flesh, boundaries over exploration, uh, uplifting speech over empty words, selflessness and submission over domineering to get our own ways. By, putting our, by pursuing God, we're taking our focus off of pursuing others and put it solely on pursuing God and righteousness. Because we're never going to find an appropriate partner and we're never gonna enjoy a prosperous partnership with someone if we're not working on being that individual who chooses God over everyone and everything else of the world. Man, you're completely right. You know, I, I think all too often, we're so consumed with looking for the perfect partner that at times we never really think about, okay, if I find that perfect partner, am I even the type of individual that they would want to be with? Uh, because that, that perfect partner is going to have some, some pretty high standards uh, that you've put on them. And, and, but here's the deal. If we're looking for someone else outside of God <laughs> to give us our, our sense of, of completion and satisfaction and joy, we are always going to feel empty. Trust me, I, I've been there. And whether we're, we're single, dating, married, divorced, widowed, young or old, we have to look for our satisfaction and supplication and identity in God before we can ever look to partner with someone in a healthy relationship. However, after we've made God the priority, after we've found our satisfaction in Him and we understand who we are in Christ and we are at a healthy point where we can begin looking for a partner, it's paramount that we look for someone who is pursuing God as well. Which brings us to our second point, and that is that an appropriate partner is a child of the light is a child of God. I know for me personally, for most of my life, I so desperately wanted to find that relationship that would be meaningful and lasting. When I was 16 years old, I created a 10-year vision board. What I wanted my life to look like by the age of 26, which is how old I am now. And I'm happy some of the things I've accomplished. I graduated college. I have an awesome house. Uh, I am in a located ministry. I've always wanted to be a minister of some kind. And there's some things that I'm still working on uh, that I, I've got to get, <laughs> I, I got to get busy by the end of September. One is I've always dreamed of having a yellow Camaro with black racing stripes, just like Bumblebee from Transformers, All right? It's a far stretch from my current Honda Accord. Uh, and the second thing is I've always wanted a dog. Um, I always wanted a golden retriever, uh, but my landlord is pretty mean and won't let me have one. Uh, so I'm trying to get him to soften up a, a little bit on that. I talked to him after one of the services. He said, well, I can get you a statue of one. So we'll see what happens. But the biggest picture, the biggest thing uh, on that vision board was a picture of a man and a woman at a wedding. Uh, I, ever since I, I was 16 years old, I, I dreamed about one day getting married. I was 16 years old, and I was ready to settle down, right? But um, 
the priority that I, I put on that made my standards slip a little bit. You know, I, I grew up in church and singleness wasn't something that seemed to be celebrated. I'm so thankful for Mulpus' sermon last week where he talked about that. But I always envisioned, man, I've, I've got to, to grow up and find a woman that, that's going to love God and love me. And I was always taught, right, to pursue the, the godly women that, that go to church, godly Christian girls. But because of my desire to have a relationship, sometimes I, I let my standards slip. And I made the decision on who to date based on what my eyes saw instead of what my head and my heart knew. And it, it got to a point uh, where, you know, being the good Christian man that I, I thought I was, I, I would always think, well, you know, it's okay. They don't have a relationship with God. I'll bring them to church with me. I'll help them in their faith. Maybe they'll come to know God and love God. And once they accept him, our relationship will be perfect and everything will, will be just fine. Well, it never seemed to work out. But I kept trying. I think the elders at my home church even thought about supporting me as a missionary because of how much I was missionary dating, right? But it wasn't until I met my now wife. She was really the, the first girl that I, I dated that loved God more than she loved me. And that changed everything. So I want to jump in to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, verses 6 through 14, and really see what Paul says. I don't know what Paul says. I lost my script. Thank you so much. <laughs> so let's jump in to Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through 14. And it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes for the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of the darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So here's what, what's happening in these verses. Paul, the author, is again comparing and contrasting. In the first section of scripture that Liam read, he was comparing and contrasting what we are to do versus what we shouldn't do. Now Paul is comparing and contrasting who we were versus who we are. He was saying, you once were in the darkness you are in the dark, but now since you have accepted Christ and you've made him Lord and Savior of your life, you are children of the light. That's who you are. We see that in Matthew chapter 5, 16 as well. You are light. Shine it among others. And with that, we are to walk as children of the light and leave the things of this world and sometimes the people that are in the darkness behind. Because an appropriate partner is a child of the light. 
Here's a staggering stat. 61% of evangelicals who get married to someone who is not religious will be divorced at some point. It's a true fact. And it's so important to find someone who is a child of light and who is pursuing God. And you're most likely not going to find that person on Tinder or OkCupid or in the bars and in the clubs. If you are looking for someone of higher standards, you must look for them with higher standards. And when we are paired with an appropriate partner, they can push us in our faith. They can pray for us and they can help us continue along the proper path of pursuing God and his will and his way instead of the things of this world. Here's a hard truth. You're most likely not going to find that in someone who doesn't take their faith seriously. If that person isn't going to take their faith seriously, how do you expect them to help you in yours? In choosing someone to be partnered with, it's far better to be partnered with someone who is pursuing God, has a faith outside of you, and who is madly in love with your creator. And when you do, when you find that person, if you do, if you choose to date, Push each other on towards godliness and love, forsaking the things of this world and fixing your eyes on eternity. Yeah, absolutely. Our partners can be one of the greatest additions to our walk with God Mm. or one of the greatest hindrances. 100%. We need to remember our priorities in our relationships. First should always be the pursuit and commitment to a relationship with God, and then comes our partners. A healthy partner in relationship is one that centers itself and has its focus on God. Which brings us to our third point. A prosperous partnership is one that pursues God more than each other. Uh, back in Ephesians 5, 17 through 20, Paul says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in verses 19 and 20 what the focus is on. The subject is our relationships with others, but the focus of those relationships with others is on God. Two people in a relationship cannot decide together to pursue God and make him the center of their relationship if they have not already made the decision to pursue God on their own. So what does that look like? looks like regular quiet time with God. Journaling our prayers, where we take time not just to speak to God and ask for things, but to listen to God. Seeking worship outside of a Sunday morning. Uh, Volunteering in ministry, trying to impact your community. Sharing your story and always looking to take that next step for Jesus. I want to introduce you guys to the idea of an emotional or relational triangle. And for the purpose of this scripture, we're going to use the model of a Christian marriage. On the bottom left, we have the husband. Bottom right, we have the God and uh, the wife. And at the top, (laughs) we have God. (laughs) At the top, we have God, who's the focus. And as each of you move closer to God, you'll notice you actually grow closer to each other. Uh, In scripture, it's referenced several times how two become one. This is how that happens. Uh, We slide on the triangle closer to God and to each other until we are truly becoming one and pursuing God together more than each other. 
I know one way that has helped me and Anna grow closer to God is through reading scripture together. We take her Bible from when she was growing up in Latvia, and we take mine in English, and first we read through her translation of the Bible, with her often making fun of my lack of understanding of the language, um, and then we read through my Bible, and we meditate on the scripture, and we pray about it. It's through this time in scripture and prayer that we're growing closer to God and in turn to each other. If we truly want a prosperous relationship, the way to do that is to follow God's paths for our lives, making sure to pursue him far more than anything or anyone else of this world. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I love hearing how um, you and Anna do that in a relationship, that you're spending time uh, in the word of God, that you are praying for and with each other. And I, I love the, the graphic that, that you showed us where God is at the top, not the bottom right, uh, but um, how God is at the top. And the cool thing about that graphic is that graphic is good for any relationship, whether you're in a dating one, whether you're married, uh, or whether you're just in a friendship with someone. As you draw closer to God, you're going to draw closer to that person. And I remember I actually, for my wedding back in August, I, I got a card with that graphic hand-drawn on it. And ever since that moment, I've been thinking in my mind, okay, how, how do I make God the central focus of my relationship with my wife? How do I help myself and Mandy slide on that triangle closer to God and then closer to one another? God has to be at the center of our relationships. Whether you're just in a friendship, whether you are, are dating someone, whether you are, are married, God deserves to be in the center. And friends, if you pursue God's path, if you look for a partner who is pursuing the Lord, and if you are pursuing God more than each other, you will see tremendous blessings in your relationships. God's will and way are so much greater than anything that this world could ever offer. Don't buy into the lies that the world is selling, uh, the lies of instant gratification that you deserve to be happy now. No, God's ways are so much greater and he offers a joy that is longing and lasting. Don't believe the things of this world, but believe and trust and rely on the truths of God's word and his will for your life. And I'm so excited if you do to see the blessings that will come from it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our Father. You are alive. You are love. You have given us the perfect model for love and what a relationship should look like. God, we fail all the time. And you still love us and see value in us. 
God, I pray that you help us to pursue your path to find that right partner and to make you the priority in our lives. God, you deserve to be at the center of everything. Give us the ability to focus on that and if need be, to change the way that we are living so that you are the most important. God, thank you for your son and his sacrifice, which was the ultimate act of love. God, thank you for all that you have given us, far greater than we could ever earn or deserve. God, I pray that you bless these relationships and that we would come closer to you. Thank you for all that you have given us, for who you are. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen.